And here we are with another episode of Chronicles on the Fly. And I'm Simon. I'm Mel. How are we? Very well. Very well. And uh, I think we're going to very aptly name the title of this episode, Made in America. Well, <laughs> what a past eight days in America. I mean, it'd be crazy, in, haven't they? Uh, not job city over there. Country. Mm. But uh, before we get on to that, Mel, today is uh, Saturday the 6th of June. And it's the anniversary of D-Day, an event that you like, even though you've, uh, you still haven't watched the Saving Private Ride, have you? I've actually, I've, I've actually watched the opening 20 minutes. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, got to hand it to the uh, – who directed that? Was it Ron Hilton? Spielberg. Oh, Spielberg. Right. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I will watch the rest of it one day, but those, those first landing at Normandy was absolutely amazing. Absolutely. I think a lot of people say that it's pretty close to the mark in, turn, in terms of realism. Even the sound of the machine gun of an MG42 was, was phenomenal. That's exactly how they sound. They used to call it Hitler's saw, I think they used to call it, because it's just mow everyone down. I wonder what uh, the, I suppose, early 20-somethings um, men who, who did those landings back then, 76 years ago, would be thinking about the climate the the political and social climate happening not just in America but around the world at the moment, but mostly in America, which uh, I think this podcast is probably going to be talking mostly about this episode. Yeah, it's, uh, huh. it's crazy. It, yeah, that that would probably be on what we fought. We stormed those beaches for what? <laughs> for what? What's everything come to? What's everything come to? Free speech and craziness and the types of things that are, you know, at the moment getting everybody's attention is um, – you know, this Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality and um, linking that to racism. What happened to George Floyd, the man? Let's start with that, yeah. Start with that. I think it was absolutely abhorrent. It's disgusting. And that police officer should be dealt with the full force of the law. I mean, as, as a human, the guy can't breathe. <laughs> and it wasn't even if he was like, if he, off the record, if he was a pedophile, I said, don't put the knee, you know, you should do a bit more than that in saying that. But, well, he did have a track record. I mean, this is not a, not an excuse, of course, but he he actually does or did have a track record of, of crime. Yeah. Um, some some pretty it. bad too. Some, yeah, but that's not, that's not, that issue he got arrested for was a $20 bill. Did not des- there's no one deserves to be handled like that. And the police in America are very heavy-handed. We all know that. Uh, a bit, a bit uh, forceful when they probably shouldn't have. In terms of in terms of that cop being convicted, I've got my concerns about that, to be honest. And the reason why is because I think his charges were upgraded to second degree murder, right? Which I think the onus is going to be on the prosecution to prove that he intended to kill him, according to some of the commentary that I've that I've heard, right? Now can you can they are they going to be able to prove that he actually intended to kill him? But I'm just wondering, are they rolling the dice with that charge? Oh, right. they, they, they should be pretty confident. If they're going to do that because it's going to be if, – if there's a problem now with what's going on, imagine if he gets back with a not guilty 
Could you imagine? It'd be worse than LA. The reason why I'm saying this is because you could, you know, the autopsy report supposed to be independent by the coroner, of course, but the autopsy report stated that he didn't die from asphyxiation. He died because of a heart attack yes. and he had drugs in his system. And But I'm just saying that's, that's definitely going to be used as a defence, right? And at the end of the day, all they need is reasonable doubts about intention. Correct. All right, which... I don't know. Does that leave manslaughter still on the table? I don't know how it works over oh, there. I but. Oh, I don't know how the legal system works, so I can't comment. Um, obviously, putting a guy, putting a knee on a guy's neck, off again, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, we, all, we agree. The cop has killed the guy, yeah, right? You can't tell me that you know he died because of a, a heart attack, right? But what was the cause of the heart attack? Yeah, I'm sure lack of oxygen is going to do that. You know, uh, but the, the the other thing that I think is going to be interesting, like you said is they have to be 100%. The prosecution is critical that they get the facts right and if they do charge him, they get it done right because at the end of the day, he's going to be serving 20 years at least. Yeah. What about the other three cops? Right. So one was kind of on his back and one was probably on his legs. The difference is, and I was listening to the police here, I was talking about a particular case was on the radio and they made a really good point here. They go, even if it was the commissioner, with his knee on, if that happened here in our state, and the commissioner, it's your duty as a police officer to make sure that he does it ethically and responsibly. And if you're a rookie or whatever. Now, I don't think that they attack the, well, I don't think, I think they should have handled it a lot better, personally. They should have stopped. They should have said, mate, you can't breathe. Get, put it, put it. it wasn't gone anywhere. You know what I mean? He was handcuffed. He was on his back, face down. He's not moving. Put, don't have to put your knee on his neck. Put it on his back if you have to keep him. A, few, a couple of things about that, right? So, Obviously, the the people, you know, the, the citizens who were filming and standing by on the footpath watching, yelling, you know, he can't breathe, get your neck off, you know, you've, you've done enough kind of thing. That cop, Chauvin, was it Derek Chauvin? Okay. I reckon he, his attitude was probably like, if I relent, then it looks, then I'm just playing devil's advocate about the way he would have been thinking through that process. What well, is if he, if he relented or took the pressure off um, his, the um, Floyd's neck, it may have looked like he was being weak, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, is that what it is? A, ridiculous, a ridiculous thought process, but I'm just playing devil's advocate about what he may have been thinking. I don't know. And also... I read or heard something about two of those cops were rookies and one of them, and I'm assuming that this is the one that was standing in front of the people filming, one of them, it was his fourth day on the job, okay? Now, fair enough, uh, over here in Australia, let's say a rookie, even fourth day on the job, could probably say, you know, boss, chief, whatever, I think I think you've gone too far, you know, you know, Relax, but I just got a feeling that over in over there, the it's more of a hierarchical system, and you, you're more of a you know, you're more of a junior, seen as a junior, and you wouldn't open your mouth. Nothing, another point of light to to Mr. Chauvin, whatever his name is there, Derek Chauvin had twelve complaints already against him for excessive force brutality. I mean, there's a pretty pathetic reflection on the the MPD, the Minneapolis Police Department, to still have a person on the beat. <laughs> and he's had 12 complaints for excessive force. Like, come on. Let's smoke this fire. You know, it's like, come on. Obviously, 
he shouldn't have been a police officer. That's, he should have been stood down. He should never have got – how a person gets 12 is, is, is beyond me. He's still a police officer. And no doubt the prosecution against him is going to use his um, – his, if it's allowable anyway, oh, um, they'll use his record of, of complaints against him to show that, you know, he's got a propensity – there's a trend of of, of um, racist or or police brutality, but they have a massive culture issue in America with the police with being excessive. They they are taught to shoot first. I mean, I understand that due to the amount of guns they got in their country. I think that uh, a large proportion of police they just are on edge when it comes to these situations. They shit themselves, yeah. and it's like. You know, I, I, I'm just assuming that they're whole intention is to get out of the incident alive themselves and to hell with the consequences on the other side. True. It could be. The, the, the other issue I have, I think, compared to, I mean, we are a different country, of course, but we have, as in tiers of, of police or enforcement, we have our state police and we have the federal police, okay? Now, you have branches off that. You obviously have border force, which does the borders. But in generally speaking, when it comes to crimes, you have the federal police, the state police, and then you might have a giant task force for corruption and crime or national crime authority, but then not here nor there. When you go to America, and in my experience when I was in Vegas, I was talking to a police officer just out of curiosity. He was walking the beat. I said, excuse me, man. I'm a little bit confused. Who's the police here? Like it was, what do you mean? Well, we're the police. I said, yes, you're the police. You're the Clark County police. But then you have the the um, Las Vegas sheriff. Then you have the Las Vegas Highway Patrol. You have the the the, LA, the Las Vegas Police Department. And I'm like, who who's the hire? Who's the hire? Who's who, who's who's well, got jurisdiction who's got in where what? Yeah. There's too many police departments or law enforcement agencies in, in each country or in each county. Each county is different again. That's another, so you look at, okay, look at California as a state. You have the San Francisco Police Department. You have the Santa Monica Police Department, which is next to the Beverly Hills Police Department, which is next to the Los Angeles Police Department. You think about it. Now, you're talking like that's like having the Sterling Police with the Austin Park Police, to having Perth Police. To having Victoria Park Police, well, they're all they're in independent department, but that's a state issue. This is this is what I think. There's a there's and now they all taught different things. They all taught different ways to. It's it's really it's really confusing. You know? That's what I felt. I was confused. It was like, so who's who's in charge? What's the sheriff do then? What's the sheriff do? What's the uh, what's the highway patrol? I think he does like you know, um, and he pulls cars over. But is he still a police officer? Isn't he a police officer? So something goes wrong. Is he not supposed to do anything? You know, if he sees a crime there, someone doing uh, holding up a shop, is he not supposed to attend or just stay on the hallway and pull people over? I'm confused. What's the sheriff do? Just take crimped. I don't know. So it's, it's a bit unique there. And the system, then you have you have all those levels of enforcement. Then you have the State Bureau of Investigation, which is obviously like supposedly like the state police. Then you have the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Then you have the DEA. Then you have the, the ATF. And then you have the... Uh, all these different arms, the DSS has got so many different arms of, 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 of law enforcement. It's, it's, it's crazy. That's one thing I've never understood. That's one thing, me personally, it's like, can't you just simplify it, be a bit easier? Because then you'd probably find you'd have a bit more training or, you know, or a bit, you know, you might have a 
more level pegged police presence. Like, I don't know, maybe. So anyway, so what's happened after this, obviously, is all these, you know, obviously there are legitimate protesters protesting police brutality and specifically brutality against black people. I don't know. It's up in the air about whether there's an actual targeting of black people, okay, because the stats don't... 100% support that. They don't support that. You know, there's a lot of left-leaning um, media outlets in, in the United States and one in particular is the Washington Post, which is really pushing this narrative that I suppose black people are targeted, um, almost hunted down by, by police in America. I'll read exactly from, from their article where they update statistics, okay? So they say that black Americans are killed at a much higher rate Right, and that, that word rate is important. Black Americans are killed at a much higher rate than white Americans. Although half of the people shot and killed by police are white, black Americans are shot at a disproportionate rate. They account for less than 13% of the US population, but are killed by police at more than twice the rate of white Americans. So what they're saying basically is black Americans make up 13%. White Americans make up around six, uh, 76%, okay? But the amount of police killings yeah. are more or less the same amount in terms of numbers, okay? So the rate, obviously, because there's only 13% as opposed to 76 the rate is higher. Fine. But what is not taken into account there is the number of incidents, okay, or the number of encounters, okay? So that 13% of black people have to be having a much higher proportion of incidents or encounters with police based on, uh, uh, based on their population, right? Higher incidents, higher crime rates. That kind of, that kind of gets left out in the wash, right? No one says that, but that's obvious to me just by knowing, you know, enough about how statistics work, right? If, if you've got 13%, versus 76%, but they've got the same number of killings, let's say. Obviously, to get the same number of killings, you've got to have far more incidents or encounters. And therein lies a massive problem, okay? Why are black people in America having so many more encounters with police than other uh, racial populations? That is a big question which does not get discussed in the media. No, it doesn't get discussed in the media. At least not on the CNNs, the MSNBCs, Washington Post, New York Times, the left-leaning, right? Maybe they discuss that on, you know, the right-leaning like Fox News. I don't really watch enough to know. I mean, I'm not the only one saying this, okay? So you've got even black conservative commentators like uh, Candace Owens. I showed you that video of her talk to her, her phone, you could say, rants or whatever it is, but she mentioned a lot of these statistics, okay, which just do not get talked about. America, I'm tired of us being considered, you know, not smart, uneducated. Oh, I actually saw comments on a random website writing about the article. Oh, now wait for black people to start rioting because black people got to be black people. I'm reading these comments and realizing that these people are writing in the comfort of anonymity. And they're writing that their perception of black Americans are people that have very little facts and riots 
and are angry and have no idea about what's actually going on, or basically understanding that the whole concept of racialized police brutality is a myth, okay? All you have to do is sit down and do basic mathematics to discover that the entire narrative that we have been sold is a lie, okay? It's a lie. There is no racially targeted police brutality against Black Americans. In fact, if you are a white American and you commit a violent crime, you have a 25% higher chance of suffering a police fatality than Black people. Now, you might come across some people that are really bad at math and they'll say, Candace, I know that only nine Black people were killed last year unarmed by police officers and 19 white people were killed unarmed by police officers. But Black Americans are only 13% of the population and white Americans are 60% of the population. So that's why. No, that's not how math works. You don't look at the numbers according to how many black people there are in America and how many white people there are in America because not all white people commit crimes and not all black people commit crimes. The numbers you look at is how many police encounters black people had versus how many police encounters white Americans had. And when you look at those numbers, you will realize that the only thing we're doing disproportionately in this country is committing crimes. Take 2018, for example, right? 13% of the population, Black Americans, accounted for 40, 40% of all of the murders and something like 50% of all violent offenses in the country. That's not normal. We are having more encounters with police. And despite having more encounters with police, white Americans are the ones that are being killed at a higher rate. So she's basically saying, I mean, she, she's Black, a Black woman in America, you can't call her racist. She's married to a white British guy, a black woman in America. You're a minority of a, mi- of a minority. The thing, the things that she's said, she's being discredited by her own culture, her own race, uh, and by left wing media. But I think that she's got a fair. Other things I've disagreed with when I've heard her speak, sometimes. But on this, I think she makes really valid points. You know, and I, and I'll, I'll go through some of the things that she's she's been saying. Okay, so um, there's a 25% higher chance as a violent white criminal of dying at the hands of a police officer than a black person has, okay? These are borne out by the statistics. In 2019, there were nine black men killed and 19 white men killed by police, I think unarmed, right? Unarmed people we're talking about. So nine black versus 19 white, all right? So all this about, you know, police hunting down black people. Yeah. Well, you've got, you've got more than twice the amount of people that were white. Yeah, what they're, saying, what they're trying to do, what are they trying to say is that, okay, they only make up 30% of the population. All right, again, we're going back to the, to the proportion of the overall population. But that's a bullshit argument, Mel. Yeah. It's a bullshit argument to talk about the percentage of population because you need to talk about the percentage of crimes being committed. Yeah. That's the most important I, thing. I think it goes back to a lot of cultural issues prior to that. Um, that's what I think, you know what I mean? I think there's other systemic issues in there. I mean, I think they have a higher rate of single motherhood. This is a big thing. This is Right. Okay. So if you want to go to the argument about... Why is that 13% committing such a high proportion of crime and getting involved with with cops in in police encounters at such a disproportionately high uh, rate? Why is that, okay? 
So then you got to talk about cultural issues, okay? Cultural issues, things about, all right, there's social, there's socioeconomic issues, okay? There's more po- poverty among the black community than among the white community. Fair enough. Not not one hundred percent their own, their fault. Okay. And and I and I do believe that I do believe that they do. Like I think they probably suffer a bit more as a person person for white skin. If like if they went for a job interview, mainly stigmatized. A sort of ingrained racism. It's kind of it's kind of a. Um, Innate, yeah, it's it's a passive a passive racism that people just don't know that they're even that yeah, they've yeah. even got, or that that. That's what I think. I think yeah, I see that. I get that. They would say, okay, look, you know, job interviews are a prime example. You know what I mean? If you get two identical resumes, right, you go, okay, it doesn't matter. But then if you put a face to it, what would happen? You know, if no one was a man of color, one was a man of white, or one was a woman of color, one was a woman of white. Or- but that's fine to say anecdotally. But stats have to back that up, all right? And they may do, right? We haven't even searched for that. Well, I don't know if there is any stats to back that up. There might be, but, you know, um, logic says that that would probably be the case. So, yeah, I totally agree that, but, you know, we we don't have proof of it. Going back to socioeconomic issues, right, there's a larger propensity for black people in black communities, um, to be poor, right? And they might get, because at the end of the day, education yeah. is, you know, the golden ticket out of poverty, okay? The world over, we know that. However, they might get free education up to the end of high school, right? But it's college. I suppose college is, in America, is the equivalent of our university, right? So college, university. They don't get free university. But it seems to me that that that, that college over there costs a shitload more than university costs for us. They leave their their colleges and they've got a, almost a lifelong debt, college debt. So therefore, when you're coming from that low socioeconomic background, to be able to afford to take on that kind of debt at a college level, you are at a disadvantage. So there's the ingrained systemic disadvantage when it comes at an education level right and that's and like i said that's the key to turning this this situation around i mean it's this there's such a domino effect it seems you know we started off this talking about you know levels of crime crime rates how do you solve that education but poverty prevents people from getting that education from a certain level or age you could say how do you solve that? Then you've got people like Bernie Sanders who was running on free education, free, free health care. It's not that – we've just been talking about it. It doesn't sound, in theory at least, it doesn't sound that nut job, does it? No, no, in theory, in, no, no, in theory it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. But the problem you've got over there as opposed to other countries, the rate that they charge for the education. So the institute, the university, they like, you're talking two, three hundred grand. For 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 a course, that's for big. Course. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, it's, well, and plus over there, well, the other problem is you got all these universities. And so here it's a little bit different. Over there, you got millions of different courses of just rubbish. You know, so who does theology? Who does? You're not going to get a job. That's another. So that's another issue. So these are some of the issues that 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 they have faced with the education system over there. 
I'm not saying ours is perfect. It's far from it. Because I still believe I'm a bit left-leaning when it comes to education. I've always believed in education should be free. Well, two things should be free, for education and medical. I have no problem with that. No problem. Because it's got a societal benefit. Yeah, totally see that. But at the end of the day, how do you rein that back in or turn that around completely? Because all these institutions are private institutions, I would imagine. So there you go. It's all about profit. How do you change that around? It is a tough one. I've got a fucked up situation. And all right, another thing that you mentioned um, was the family family situations, mm-hmm. right? When you've got communities where, you know, lack of a father figure is a massive thing, single motherhood, right? And you just, just think about it. Single mother raising two, three kids, right? The father's just, I don't know, he was a deadbeat and he's run out on them, whatever. What does that mother do? She's trying to, you know, two, three jobs at the moment. Fucking no one's got a job. You know what I mean? So then we go to, all right, this happens. You know, protests and especially riots started. Okay. Everyone's just frustrated. Everyone's been cooped up for months. Yeah, COVID-19. That's quite ironic. Two weeks ago, it was like stay at home, protect everyone. That's yeah, it's been completely forgotten, and I think in in a few weeks' time we'll see what the consequences of that is. But you know what I mean? Everyone's just using this as a, as an excuse. I think that to a large extent, well, the rioting, the rioting does not. They do not give a shit about what happened to the George Floyd. That's been lost completely. The, the, the rioting and the desecration actually hurts their cause more than help and hurts their own people hurts their own communities that's what the biggest problem is like come on guys you actually they burnt down um uh, a housing shelter which was being still being built luckily wasn't people living in there yeah but that's how many hundreds of people and and how many families would have been housed in that place of their own people of their own community that is absolutely sickening, but they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. You know, you've got a, um, you know, decent black folk standing at the front of their businesses with guns and signs on the windows saying black owned. You know, they've got to protect their businesses from their own kind. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's, 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 I yeah, totally agree with protest. You protest to your heart's content. I all for it. I went, I, they actually lost my support when they specifically desecrated. There's a Vietnam War Memorial. I don't know if I showed the photos, but I've got to find the photos. And they, they absolutely t- destroyed it, tagged it. There's all these crosses, so tombs, uh, crosses for the soldiers, all destroyed, kicked them over. I'm like, come on. That's, they're, they're, they're soldiers. They're for you. They're for you just, to express your rights of freedom. They don't deserve to be there. Their grave kicked on and stomped on and their name tagged on no that's just that that's just and the 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 saddest or the most annoying part of all that of that is that these people are going to get away with it they're not going to be caught they're not going to be they're not going to be prosecuted for it well just like that guy got was defending his shop who got he well he passed away now that guy with the green shirt the the oh he he had a sword yeah all right he shouldn't have been doing that Maybe with a gun, he would have had a better chance. Oh. It would maybe just maybe would have been left alone. Yeah. But with a sword, it, he's got to get close enough. You know what I mean? Oh, he, got- he was trounced and he, and he passed he away, has he? 
sickening. And and the worst thing I've seen is probably the retired black cop. David Dawn was his name. He came to defend a friend's shop and someone's just run past him and shot him and killed him. And he laid there dying, bleeding out on the footpath. How's it, how does this help their cause? How does this help their cause? If they want anything changed, that's the thing, but they don't want anything changed, right? Those people don't care about anything changed. They're just opportunists. It's their, it's their opportunity to play out a real-life Grand Theft Auto game. That's all. That's all it is. Yeah, so the, but do you got the other issue? You know, they talk about leadership and all that. I don't think Donald Trump's handled this very well. I think he's been pretty – honestly, I think he's done a pretty average job with this. I think, I think four years ago he should have reined in his tweeting as soon as he became president. Uh, there's just no need for all the bullshit that he tweets out. If, if he actually didn't tweet, he kept his mouth shut. Until, he probably wouldn't have been that bad. This is, you know what? I reckon that as a president, for a president, because each individual state has to deal with this, this writing thing, right? There's only so much a president can do, and really it's probably, it's probably exactly, but it's probably not that much that, that a president can do because the president doesn't control states, right? Now, he waited six days before making a public address. Maybe on day two was the time. Day one, you're still kind of, you know, seeing what the hell is going on. Get in front of the bloody cameras, doing a national address, and all he had to do was read it out, right? He waited six days. But then you had Joe Biden talk, and he actually performed pretty well. He just read off a teleprompter pretty much, but, but, in, but people are going to be weighing up the difference between the two of them leading up to November, and Biden already has, has performed better when, in this crisis. He's actually got the official nomination. He's got, okay, there you go. But the problem with Joe Biden, then he goes and does, a, he does a, makes a comment like instead of police officers shooting their body, shoot him in the leg. It's a stupid comment because they're not all crack shot SAS marksmen, right? But, how it, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter because that's going to go over the head of his Democrat base. They don't care about a comment like that. You and me and, and people, you know, people who don't like him are going to pick up on something like that. I just think they, the, the, this was a time that the Democratic Party could have actually put up someone who's a bit different. And then the two people that actually, the three people that they're going to pick from, Bloomberg, Biden, and Bernie were three old white men. Well, I've told you the ideal person was Tulsi Gabbard, but they wouldn't give her. She she didn't have enough marketing behind her, so no one probably, probably no one still knows her name. And, she, and then she was an ex-vet, so she gets to make points for me for that, just being an ex-vet. I would, I mean, I, I think it's very far. I, I think that this would be very far-fetched that, that this would happen, but what would be ideal is if, Somehow, Biden names her as his running mate, so for vice president. Biden wins, but after a short time, he, he's, his, his health, <laughs> well, I don't know, he's, it's pretty clear his health is declining anyway, but he, he gets to a point where he has to hand over and the vice president becomes a president. And she becomes president. That would be brilliant. For the Democrats, it would, yeah. yeah. And I'd be fine, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're more conservative-leaning people, but I'd be fine with the Democrats being in charge over there if, that, if it meant that, Tulsi was a president. She's what, 38, 39? She's a star. Yeah, she should be, she'll be one for the future. Then what the Democrats are going to do is, I think, I mean, it's their, their party, they're like, they really need to clean out, but. You know, they're just party machine people, you know, across the board. They need to clean out. 
I need to get rid of Nancy's too old, Chuck Schumer's too old, Hillary's got to go. They're- well, that's that's the other scare. If he was to um, name Hillary Clinton as his as his VP running mate, I think I think that'd be that'd be nail in his coffin. Up until a couple of weeks ago, Trump was pretty much a shoe in, but now it's, it's yeah, yeah, he's, a- he's performed terribly yeah, here. And up until COVID, he really wasn't too bad. Was the numbers actually pretty good? His, his statistical numbers are pretty good, as in employment and you know, growth and all that were pretty good. How are some of the things that we've seen from this? Well, firstly, let's Antifa, right? A lot of people are saying, oh, Antifa this, Antifa's, you know, um, you know, being provocateurs. Yeah, to to a certain extent they have. But don't tell me that it's all Antifa, this rioting. No chance that it's all Antifa. I think they're a bunch of wimps personally. They wouldn't be able to lift a brick. There's a lot of, a lot of it is just, you know, opportunism because this is what happens. This is what they do. We've seen it time and time again, Ferguson, all the way back to, well, I was going to say LA 1992, but even before you could say, you know, the, there was the Newark riots in New Jersey, 68, I think, uh, I don't know, 60 something. I think there was a, you know, when, when Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King died, there was riots, weren't there? So America's got a history of this. So don't tell me, oh, suddenly it's all Antifa's fault. No, they're, they're a disgraceful, disgraceful organisation, and I think it's right that they should be called domestic terrorists. Yeah. It's about time that they were declared as domestic terrorists. But there's a, but a lot of people would be looking at okay, um, uh, the fact that they specifically targeted the shops like the Rolex shop. The Rolex shop got cleaned out. Louis Vuitton shop got cleaned out. The Nike shop got Apple cleaned. Store. Apple store. Yeah, you know, this is a pretty bleak subject we're talking about, but some of this, the footage has been absolutely hilarious too. And I'm talking about things like people have just left the Apple store with a, a new iMac in the box yeah. and then they get attacked so that someone can steal what they've looted yeah. off them. And to me, that's, that's hilarious. So it was funny, right? When the people looting and the guys come out with guns, and they're going, quick, call the police, call 911. I'm like, you're supposed to be protesting. You're protesting against the police. And you're trying to loot, then you the guy comes out and you want to. And the, the two guys that were in the apartment, yeah, they're, and they're and they're, they're filming uh, the rioters down below in the, on the street. Bang! Two rocks come flying through. We're on your side! <laughs> Screaming out at the street. What are you doing? We're on your side. Classic. Just soy boy bullshit. That's what it is. But uh, going back to the, the, the initial issue, the, there is a systematic problem with police. I think the police are very brutal in their tactics in there, and there's a, I strongly believe that they need some proper training. I think they they are so on edge. You, I mean, put yourself in in, the, in their situation, right? Oh. Oh, you wouldn't want to be to start with. However, they are not helping themselves. No, they don't help themselves with, with what they're doing. I mean, you don't go like you don't go if you're going to you know, get you have right gear and all that, but you don't go push media. That's because they're obviously recording it. Isn't it obvious who's media? It's not come on. You got a you got a lady with a microphone there with a big channel seven or whatever, and they're gonna push us like, come on, come on. He's got a massive camera, he's got a he's got a commercial camera, he's got a little he's not recording on an iPhone. That's that's this is a this is a new one when it comes to riots in America. We haven't I haven't seen the cops go after media before. Mm. Like I remember watching a fair bit of the Ferguson riots. I think that was like two thousand fourteen. Yeah, was it? Yeah, I think it was two thousand fourteen. I watched a fair bit on YouTube and stuff. I never remember, I don't remember any media media getting caught in it. But also maybe media is just getting too close as well. Not 
excusing it, yeah. but maybe this time around the media is a bit closer than they normally have been. This is because I was watching the thing on Channel 9. I was watching Channel 9 and they were, when they were looting the night shop in Santa Monica. They're right outside the window. No, now they're going, okay, we were just seeing oh, the, the people looting and then the, then the not smoke bomb, the uh, firework went off and she started screaming. She goes, oh, no, it's just a firework. Well, let's just go take a closer look. I'm like, you should get him right in there. They, they may as well mic up and put a GoPro on the looters before they, you know, before they smash the window. Here, set you up, off you go, you know, and then we'll get the footage off you after. <laughs> they may as well do that. Give them a hundred and there you go. I don't get looted. They go, thanks to the GoPro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But some of, the, some of the coverage has been absolutely comical, all right, and I'm talking specifically about CNN. I've been switching between seeing, I've given up in the last couple of days, but when it first started and first kicked off, I was switching between CNN and Fox News quite a bit, right? And the coverage from, probably, I was probably watching more so um, CNN and, and the shows because the, the coverage was absolutely comical. And we're talking about um, the reporters. One reporter was standing in front of a burning building, literally standing in front of a burning building, and he said, uh, the riot, you know, not the rioting, they call it, obviously they're calling it protesters even when they're filming rioting, right? Uh, it's, it's, has, it's hasn't been uh, too bad. It's been, you know, it's not unruly. He said it's not unruly. He's standing in front of, literally standing in front of a burning building as he said that. Another bloke, right, there was like a, a procession of cars and, you know, people on top of cars that were just, they weren't doing much bad, right, at that point anyway, right? So this CNN reporter standing in the middle of the road as the cars are going past him and he's going, um, he's saying, oh, it's, it's like a merry caravan and, uh, you know, they're, they're um, being quite peaceful and, you know, it's completely peaceful. And as he said that, a bottle comes flying at his head and he had to, and he had to duck and he had to duck. And he goes, oh, sometimes things are thrown, but that's not uncommon. <laughs> Oh my god, man! They're just apologists for for you know people causing shit and you know and rioting. Speaking of apologists, is uh, what are your thoughts on the Hollywood leftist elitists? Uh, really, really. Well, you've got people like um, Justin Timberlake. Uh, who else? Steve Carell, uh, Seth Seth Rogen. You know, putting up money for this for this bail fund for for well for they call it protesters, but anyone getting arrested. That includes people rioting, right? That's that's disgraceful, mate. You know these people living their Hollywood elite tucked away lifestyle, and you know behind behind you know gated, gated exactly gated communities with probably security guards at the front. They're fine. They're happy for all these rioters to do their bidding and throw stones in in on their behalf. They're downtown LA. There's no problem. Just do it down there. Don't worry about don't worry about smashing the front window of the single mother's shop. You know, trying to provide and put her three kids through school. Don't worry about that. We'll bail. We'll 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 get people to donate to a GoFundMe and bail you, bail you out. Get fucked. Those people are the scum of the earth, those Hollywood pricks. They make my blood boil. Well, even Ice Cube was a little bit disappointed. He's just a he, dog. He, 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 now, I actually didn't mind Ice Cube, but then I, I was like, hang on a minute, and someone brought it up, right? They're encouraging it. He's encouraging it, right? And he, was, he put a photo of, um, what do you put a photo of? A police officer during the day in KK at night. Yeah. And then and he and he goes. I was like, until until someone smashes his window and he wants to call the cops. No, uh, then someone goes. I find it quite ironic because you always play a police officer in your movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Every single movie he's a copper, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so it's right to take the money and play the police officer. You know, he was a captain in. I was, I was a little bit. I was a bit disappointed with last year with that. I actually thought he was. You know, uh, should have been a bit above that. You know? Yeah. Because by who experienced racism should be focusing on racism. You know, but I suppose he wants well, to keep he, his image. They, they're promoting this racism um, narrative, and I tell it was, I'll take my hat off to. We'll take my hat off to uh, Kanye West, but. Exactly right. Everyone that, takes that, that, everyone that, takes that, the piss out of him, but at the end of the day, who's put their money where their mouth is? Him. He's he's helped the kids who are no longer have parents. How good is that? Yeah, and to uh, play the fun for the George Floyd's daughter. That's not, not at least he's doing something for George Floyd. Whether George Floyd was whatever, whatever happened to it doesn't matter. What he's doing is saying for George Floyd. Now, so take my hat off to that. Even Michael Jordan, he's doing a fun for hundred million or something. Or racism. He didn't specifically say it was. Uh, I read to promote equality or something, but what does that mean? Where, where does it go? That's just vague. But good on him. At least he's trying. Yeah, but he hasn't gone specifically down the. You know, I'm doing it for bailout people that have done committed crimes. They're, they're righted. Uh, so at least he's trying to probably address the problem. The, the just the left wing media and these Hollywood celebrities encouraging the rioting makes me sick. What, what kind of world are we living in now? Then you go, what's the one? Board, was it going bald for Black Lives Matter? What was that? Oh, going bald for Black Lives Matter. So they're shaving their head off. They're shaving their head to the mate. I just, it, there's, it, there's a disconnect for me. I don't quite get it. What's, the, what's it all about? What does it mean? How are you helping? I know it does, but in their mind, how do they think, that, how do they think it's helping? I don't quite get that at all. It's just nonsense. Everyone's an opportunist when, when this stuff happens. Everyone's just being an opportunist. Another thing is the, the social media, putting these black squares as their profile pictures or just posting black squares, corporations, all this virtue signaling bullshit. What are, you, what are you achieving? Corporations, people, people who have never, ever involved themselves in this type of stuff before, all of a sudden, just sheep, all right? No thinking. It's just all right. I'll post a black square, and there we go. I've done my, I've done my duty. Wash my hands now. Who are you? What are you doing? Yeah. That type of stuff on social media just, just grinds my balls so bad. I can't stand it. One thing I saw last night on Twitter was a, um, in America, this an epidemiologist, right posting that it's more important to go out and protest than to social distance and stay isolated during COVID-19, all right? So she's a, she's a health professional, an epidemiologist who should know about all this virus stuff, but encouraging people to put their ideology before their health and well-being, not just of themselves but of the, of the community. She's thinking about her job, so she gets more people. That's what she's probably thinking. She's been selfish, <laughs> huh? That's all she's doing. Unbelievable. Yeah, so more people. Uh, it's just amazing. That's absolutely amazing how COVID-19 has just fallen off the edge. Yeah. What's up? Who? COVID? What, what do you mean? Social distancing. What do you mean? We're social distance. In the, in the last week, we've seen the absolute best and the absolute worst of humanity. And I'll tell you what, obviously, what we've, you obviously know what the worst is. We've been talking about it, but the 
absolute best is um, did you see that the what's it called the SpaceX launch right that was brilliant okay and I was watching on YouTube I think you've seen the best and the worst of America maybe because not so much humanity because the, the, the American space that's the potential of their country and then yeah. the, the epitome of their country and then you got the bottom of the, this, 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 the two extremes of that country yeah totally so I was watching a live YouTube feed of of them on on uh, the space station doing a moonwalk. What do they call it? Not a moonwalk. Spacewalk. Space walk, of course. Right. I was doing a spacewalk and they were repairing something on the outside of it. Okay. And so behind the astronaut, you see the Earth down below, right? The curve of, curve of Earth. And there's a lot of cloud cover. Okay. So you couldn't see land masses, but you could see that you know, the Earth was covered with a lot of cloud at that point. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, this guy is up there above those clouds and then below him there is so much chaos and bullshit going on. You know, this guy is so lucky to be up there and away from it without all this bullshit going on, you know, and, and how insignificant we are, all right, on this, you know, little blue marble rocketing through space. We are just so insignificant. Now, have you noticed that there's been like pellets of bricks? Yes, on, I saw that. Side street on, on the streets in a number of cities around the country in like built up areas where there's no construction going on. There's just like, bang, bricks. So who's putting that there? For what, for what reason? Clearly that's about want, they want them to use it to smash windows, to riot. Now, who does it benefit? Who does it, who does it benefit? Is the government doing this? Who does it benefit? It's, it's bloody strange. Weird. Um, you know, and everyone, uh, police, um, not police, people and, and celebrities calling for um, defunding of police and, and abolition of policing in general completely. Yeah. We've seen what, what, what will go on if that was the case. That's just a joke. Because I'm sure MS-13, uh, LA Kings, the Latin Mafia and who else is there, the Bloods and the Crips are going to really be, they'll be going, yeah. Because that's going to solve that problem, isn't it? Down in South Central. And there was also a clip of um, the sheriff of Polk County in Florida uh, was doing a press conference mm. and he warned rioters and looters not to, come to, not to come to Polk County because here everybody loves their guns. And I encourage them that if you enter their home, that they blow you back out with their guns. <laughs> now, what's funny about this, this whole writing, two million people in America have officially become gun owners for the first time. Two million new people have bought guns. Yes. Well, if I was living there, I'd be one of them. All right, so talking about that, let's talk about guns here, Mel, because what if this happened here one day? You'd want a, you'd want a gun. Yeah, but it ain't going to happen. We're not going to let have guns here. Okay, this is what I was, what I was getting at. So what, what are the laws about having owning a gun here in Australia? Here, it's, it's a privilege to own a firearm. It's not a right. It's a privilege based upon you by the police. That's the first thing. So you can't say, I want a gun because I want to protect myself because that is not a, a reasonable use of a firearm. Even if it's to, be, to protect yourself in your own home? No, absolutely not. But people have um, shot intruders 
and have been charged. Yeah, but generally they, they've. I don't recall anyone actually going to to jail because of it. Well, because that'd look pretty silly if they did went to jail. So technically speaking, you are not allowed to have a firearm in your home for the purpose of defending yourself. No, no absolutely not. Yes. Not in any form in in Australia. Only America has that. Firearm ownership in Australia is basically around farming, hunting, and for sporting purposes. Yeah, recreational or sporting purposes, or for yeah, for a farmer. That's obviously for work. So, okay, so take me for example. Don't know shit about guns. How would I get a gun? Well, first thing I'd probably say. Most people just go to a gun club, have a feel for it, and to get an experience to shoot a firearm. Or they go with someone who has a farm or property and shoot on to practice safe usage. And then if you join a club, they make you do X amount of shoots just so you get they know you because you can't just go and you hide the gun. There's always someone there. Um, in here, some of the ranges that for people, the firearm is actually connected on a rod. So you can't take it out, turn it, this and that, so the gun just stays on the rod. So you can't do anything with it, just pull the trigger. Um, once you do that, so you decide. Normally, if you say you go to a gun shop, you, you apply. Apply for you know, a license. You got to apply for a, a firearms license, a gun license. Can I just walk into a gun shop right now and, and apply, having never handled a gun before even? No, well, you've got to do a test. It's recommended that you, you – technically you can. Right. But the thing is, you don't get the gun straight away, the license straight away. There's a lot of checks that go on on um, getting a firearm. Right? Now, the first, obviously, is one, you got to do a test. So you got to do a questionnaire, you can do a test. Once you've done that, you select the firearm. Thank you very much. I want this particular firearm. And then you apply to the police. There is a 28-day cooling-off period. Okay, so at this point, you haven't shelled out any money to purchase the gun yet. Well, well technically, well, this is an issue because technically you're supposed to, because if you go to a shop, they're not going to give you a gun. With it. You're not going to purchase something. It's not going to a shop without. This is, that's, a, that's a problem with West Australia, not different than every other state. We're talking West Australia. So you can hand over money for a gun even though you don't have the license. You, you can't touch it. It, it. it would stay there. All right, got it. You put a deposit down normally, most people put a deposit, wait 28 days, and then it can take up to another 28 days before you get the firearm. But before you get the license issued to you, you have to have a safe installed. How do you prove that? Okay, there's two. Obviously, one proof purchase. Two, there's sometimes the police can come out and inspect. So a lot of them come out and inspect, and what happens is you got to do it to, it's got to be to two separate anchoring points using a minimum of I think it was uh, 80 mil or 100, 80, no, 8 mil heads or 10 mil heads. But a safe shop would know those regulations. Or a gun shop or whatever with 40 mil bolts, uh, 40 mil washers minimum anchored to two fixed points, four on wall or two on the wall and two on the other wall, as long as it's two separate, okay, um, anchored points and, and it's driven in properly. And then what happens is you, the police can come and inspect um, if they've got time, they will come and inspect. If not, you have a safe dec- – what you do is called a safe declaration. So it's a statutory declaration by court or law saying you must – that you have complied with the standards, um, sent off to the police. And then you, once you do that, you get the photos of the safe installed and certified by Justice of the Police. Police will issue you with a firearms license with the calibre of the firearm and the gun model, the serial number. Same, and then you can pick it up. But I initially have to have a legitimate reason for owning yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. It can't just be because uh, I want to have a gun no, in the no, house. 
you got to have a legitimate reason. The legitimate reason one is to recreational hunt and shoot. And to recreational hunt and shoot, you must provide a property letter of where you'll be using. Now, I personally have my own property, so I'm fine. My property is quite large, so it's fine. But other people obviously go to farmers, recommend a minimum size of about 2,000 acres, which is a fairly so or access to a property. Access to a friend. To a friend's friend. There's a sign on letter stating that you're allowed to shoot on that. Got it. So the shooting on the property can be for what purposes? Recreational hunting and shoot. So you can do target shooting or hunting. Like me personally, when I go out. Oh, yeah, foxes, foxes, rabbits, wild pigs. Your main ones, feral cats, massive problem, feral dogs. The biggest ones. If you go further north, you have an issue with brumbies and uh, camels and water buffalo. So that's up right up north. There's some yeah, some buffalo that cause a bit of problems, and you get the odd stray cow that's gone from stock. So it's a skate through, and, and wild there's a lot of goats here too, believe it or not, in West Australia. Wild goats, yeah, wild pigs, wild goats. The biggest problem with pests at the moment depends where you are, but if you're in the mid Midwest region, currently wild dogs. Wild dogs cause a huge amount of damage to lost. <laughs> Livestock and native fauna and flora, absolutely destroy it. The other one is feral cats. Feral cats, what they do is they you're talking fifth, sixth, seventh generation cat. So you're talking, you're not talking a little Tinkerbell cat at home, tinsel, you know, you're talking, we're talking a decent size cat because it's been, it's actually been like in the wild, been in feral. So it's just eating, that's all it does. To the point where I went to a farmer I'll go to and she actually had a feral cat give birth on her property. So she fed the little kittens. So she took the kittens so the kitten never became real feral because right. it was taken from birth. She domesticated it. But in saying that, the cat, you see the size of it, it is, this thing's a monster. Like, oh, my God. The size of it, it's mate. No, not a dog, but it's a, it's a pretty big cat. I was like, wow, it's a big, big, it's not your normal cat, I can tell you that much. But anyway, so they do massive, massive damage. If anyone wants to go have a look on YouTube, they stop in feral cats. There's an actual um, the CSIRO, one of these agencies have done a feral scan or something. I've done a video. They track the cat and they put a camera on it to see what it does to try and work out the damage. And I think it was doing up to 11 kills a night. Of native animals? Birds, reptiles. And once you've done that, so the safe, your gun has to be in safe at all times. Your ammunition has to be in a separate container to... Still within the safe. You can put it in the safe, but it's got a lockable compartment. A separate lockable compartment. Separate lockable compartment. Can't be. In there can't the be. There can't be a, a anything in the in the barrel in the chamber. No, no. You never have anything in the chamber. Chamber is always empty. What I also do is so I recommend is sometimes you take the bolt out to the firearm, put the bolt. Depends on the gun, of course. In a different spot, or you can buy. They got like trigger guard, the trigger locks. Yeah. What happens is you put. Like a, uh, like a padlock yeah. that goes in between the gun, yeah, right. the bolts and the, and, the, and the trigger so you can't pull. Okay, you know, so let's say that I've gone through all that. What type of gun can you legally own? Here, you can have a lever action or a straight pull, which is a blowback sort of system, which is, which is uh, like you pull the lever, pull each time. You can have a pump-action rifle, but not a pump-action shotgun. Are they considered semi-automatic? No, none of them are semi-automatic. The only people allowed to have a semi-automatic in the state of Western Australia 
are primary producers for pest control, and they can only have a Category C, because that's what it's classified, Category C firearm, which is a semi-automatic shotgun or up to five shots only, or a rimfire firearm, which is either a 22 or a 22 Magnum, which is a very small calibre, up to 10 rounds semi-auto. Generally, people do that because if they've got a coal, because there's a lot of pest birds, sometimes they're coal pest birds, you need rapid fire. Here in Australia, you're not allowed to have a Category D, which is the semi-automatic centrefire, which is you're talking like your AR sort of styles and your SKS. Common in America when it comes to school shootings, things like that, right? No, school shootings is statistically more handguns. The handguns are higher proportion of mass crime, uh, criminal, uh, criminal offences than, than, than assault rifles. Because they're easier to conceal. It's concealed and carry, and, and it's easier to carry magazines. It's, there's a lot of other things. Now, when it comes to a handgun, you're not allowed to have a handgun in Western Australia for farming or hunting purposes, completely illegal. The only person that have a handgun is they join a gun club and go to a gun club and shoot a minimum of six times a year in competition or ice, it's called ISPC or there's, there's all different types of competition. That's when you're allowed to have a handgun, but you're only allowed to have that handgun for that specific discipline but up to a certain caliber with a maximum of 10 shots. So here they're very, very strict. It's very strict and controlled, isn't it? A lot of this came in after Port Arthur, right? What after? Because what happens is a couple of steps back. Also, as a firearms owner, you, which most of them don't know, is you are already classified as a criminal, even though you're not a criminal, because your details are automatically sent to Interpol. So my details, license, address, phone number, everything, all at Interpol. Know that I have a firearm. So any cop oh, in the world can find out that you're that oh, I'm registered firearm. Apparently, that's what I've been told. That apparently, as a, as a firearms owner in Western Australia, all my details are submitted to Interpol. So, any firearms owner in Australia? I don't know Australia, but I know specifically Western Australia. What about in like in America? I don't know. They don't have rules like we do. It's just the Wild West over there when it comes to guns, isn't it? Yeah, completely different. That each state's different in America. Don't forget, right? It's a state like here, it's state driven. We here are completely different than the other states. Okay. Are we stricter than the other states? I wouldn't say we're stricter. We're stricter on certain things, but not stricter on other things. I said, no, no, we pretty much are stricter on, on pretty much all things, actually. What am I talking about? 99% of things, we are way stricter. We have got a much more complex system than everyone because we believe we do things right. I personally think we do things wrong, okay? but that's just my opinion. The issue is over there, you li- here in West Australia, you license the firearm, whereas over in East, you license the shooter. What I mean by that is it's like here we, you, you, you have a car license but your car is registered to you and only you can drive that car. Whereas over east, your shoes license, even though you've got a gun, I can use it, which is, which is fine, which is no big deal because it's still registered to me. But if you're out there, it's, it's, you can use it. We're here checking you're not supposed to. It's a bit, yeah, a bit complex here. We do, yeah, we do things. So, yeah, so unfortunately, we have very, 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 very tough gun laws. And it did change a lot when it came in 1996 with the NFA, the National Firearms Agreement, which was, I think, personally, I think Johnny Howard did not handle it well, well properly. Actually, I blame pretty much the supporters association and stuff like that, the way that they handled it. They did a very good job. It's supposed to be unified gun laws Australia-wide. They're completely not unified. They're completely different. They, no matter which state you go to, they're all different. They're not unified laws. 
Um, West Australia as an example, if I'm if you're coming from Melbourne or Sydney and you're a licensed firearm shooter in Melbourne or Sydney for a competition to shoot clays, you have to apply to get your permit to bring your gun into Western Australia. Really? Yeah. I was like, hang on a minute, but I'm a licensed no, it's classified as an illegal firearm as soon as it crosses the border. I'm not, it's not an illegal firearm. It's a licensed firearm to, because it's a state issue. Whereas I, as a West Australian, can fly to Melbourne, I don't have to worry about it because the other states recognise West Australians' licence for up to valid three. Oh, right. That makes sense. And things you're supposed to have a, you're supposed to be on the same register. You're supposed to, so they bang, so neighbouring anyway. But it's not. It's a joke. It's actually a joke. It's actually a joke. This is the problem. And so, and so it's just paperwork and time and consuming. It's just silly, you know. But one rule in WA, one, so even if you want to do business as a, as a, as a firearm dealer, I know it's a dirty word because everyone's a, we don't need guns, we don't need guns, but it's, uh, it does cause a bit, of a, a, bit of a, a bit of an issue if you want to do business. Yeah, and, and it's quite funny how the gun culture has changed in Australia because there's a video on YouTube, you should watch it, it's, like, um, it's from the 70s, and it shows a man walking down the street with a rifle, but it was actually wrapped up half a rifle because he only had the stock. So he's walking down like he's got a rifle, but he, no one blinked an eyelid. It was just normal. Today, there'd be the right squad, there'd be the police, the TOG, this and that. Isn't it amazing some of the clips that you've seen, like I said, you know, like black business owners standing in front of their um, their businesses in, I don't know, Minneapolis or, or wherever with these really high-powered guns. I'm sure that some, I mean, I, I don't know the first thing about guns, but I'm pretty sure that those guns are not the type of guns that would be legal here, right? No, they don't want to be legal here, but, see, but that's, see, this is it's another issue. This is another prime example, right, of the confusion. And I blame the media and I blame, it's this thing called the AR-15, which is an assault rifle. Well, that's a fallacy, number one, because it's not, AR does not stand for assault rifle. Stands for Armalite. It was the company that made it back in. All right, so this just happened to fit the narrative, right? Now, because the gun looks scary, doesn't necessarily mean it's scary. Okay, because I can have a gun, a twenty-two. If anyone knows what firing calibers are, very it's a very small, low-powered, and I can put a chassis on it to make it look like an AR, but it's not an AR. It's not. It's not. It's not an AR fifteen. It's a twenty-two. So it looks scary, but it doesn't mean it is scary. You know what I mean? Everyone's going, that's what the argument with the police have here, that you don't need to look scary-looking guns. I mean, at the end of the day, these laws are made by politicians who don't know what they're talking about. No, 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 I think. I don't know what they're talking about. Now, in America, there's, a, there's a, another thing that's called Change My Mind. I don't know if you've seen it. Stephen Crowder. Stephen Crowder. Yes, yeah, I've seen him. He did one, right, where he bought through a university campus or whatever it was, some campus or something, all these firearms and put them on a desk, right? And he goes, okay. Then he's going to change my mind. What should be legal? What should be illegal? Now everyone looked at the oh, I, oh that's got that's illegal. Okay. Yet he had now an, an AR is a two two three caliber, so it's not a big caliber. It's not a small caliber. It's a mid range caliber. Then he had an SKS, which was seven point six two, so a caliber a lot bigger, but looked like a timber rifle that could still hold twenty or thirty rounds. They were going, oh, no, this one's fine, but this one here, because that's a hunting rifle, but this one, no, it's military, so we can't have this one. They go, okay, no worries. No, knowing that the, the, the gun that looked like a war one had, could take 30 rounds, no problem, semi-automatic at a bigger calibre. It would do more damage than the AR at a further distance. Very interesting subject, actually. Now, in terms of 
self-defense, right? Let's let's just say, and it has happened, but let's just say that, you know, I've gone through that, I've got, got a gun license and someone busts into my house and I've got to protect my family and I shoot the guy back out the door, like the Hope County Sheriff said. I blow him back outside, back out the door. All right, I'm I'm going to be charged. Hundred percent. Now, all right, you're not a you're not a cop, but what's the likelihood that you? Let's say he he um he had a gun himself. Yeah, he was holding a gun and he was running at you. Is if he's got if he's uh, you can use same or equal force, right? But your issue is going to be is your firearm is supposed to be locked up in a gun safe, depending on the gun with the bolt out. So am I going to be in trouble for not storing it correctly? You get in trouble for that. That's not that bad. But you won't get charged for murder? Did he fire at you? You use the same equal force. Oh, he has to fire first? Well, he's going to be threatened to fire. But Surely you could just say, well, he pointed the gun and I got to him first. Your, your issue is going to be, how did you get that firearm so fast out of the safe that is locked and with the ammunition to load? Because you're talking split second. Right, right, right. To do that, your gun's going to be right next to you, not in a safe, loaded. So let's say you 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 see him on your security cameras, and he's and you you can see that he's got a gun on his hip. Right, first ring the police. <laughs> okay. What if you said like your wife's laying next to you in bed, and you and you said to her, "Ring the police," but you get the gun ready just in case, and then he does come in and you blow him away. There's got to be a way around it. You know what I mean? Like. There's got to be a set of circumstances that line up where you're not going to be charged. So, unfortunately, no, this is Western Australia. This is Australia. When it comes to that forum, it's a dirty word, and no matter what you say, you'll be wrong. I think also, but you can only think of these things to a certain extent. Your first priority is going to be protecting yourself and your family. 100%. And your property, right? And, you know, the consequences are going to be the consequences. But in the moment, in the heat of that moment, you're not going to be thinking, oh, I better not get the gun out of the safe because if I actually do have to use it, I'm the one going to be in trouble. Meanwhile, you're, you know, your family is dead. So this this issue you're going to, you have, you have um, in, in, in Australia when it comes. I think, I think surely some logic's going to come into No. When it comes to this, honestly, the, the gun laws... Since Port Arthur here, you should be allowed, you should have the right to use your legally owned and licensed gun to protect your family and home. And I'm not saying chase them down the driveway and down the street if they run, but if they come into your house in a threatening way, or is there anything but a threatening way, you should be, um, you should be legally allowed to use lethal force with your legally owned gun. It's plain and simple. Unfortunately, we're not because that turnaround and that throw gun ownership in Western Australia or Australia is a, is a privilege. It's not a right. It's as simple as that. It's a privilege. doesn't matter in your own home. You know, it's a privilege. It's not a right. It's not a right. This is the issue. And this is a, this is, this is a situation where, where, well, people say, well, we're glad we don't have the gun crimes and stuff like that. We do. They don't, which is true. We don't. But I think there's a lot more other issues they've got over there to add that. And plus you've got yeah. 325 million people, 350 million people. Yeah, which we've been discussing, I suppose. It's 
It's just sick watching this stuff on TV. Oh. Like in the year 2020, humans can still go at each other like this. Well, what I think is it's 2020 is a year that we definitely want to forget. So far, and we're not even halfway through it. It's definitely going to be a year we're going to forget. What we look on, you know, well, our country's just got massive debt even more because of COVID. Tourism's gone. We've been locked up. We can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. The US is rioting. <laughs> All right, so on that note, <laughs> should we wrap it? Yeah. So, but in saying that, um, we'll definitely like to say what happened to George Floyd was a tragedy, and um, I hope they, f- they fix it up in America because no, no, right or wrong, no one deserves a knee in the neck. No one deserves a knee in the neck, and no one deserves a brick through their shop window, and all the contents uh, taken and burnt. For those who have stayed till the end, uh, remember to like us and follow us on Facebook at Chronicles on the Fly podcast, on Instagram at Chronicles on the Fly, and also on Twitter at Chronicles OTF. Adios. Underneath the superficial self, which pays attention to this and that, there is another self, more really us than I. And if you become aware of that unknown self, the more you become aware of it, the more you realize that it is inseparably connected with everything else that there is. That You are a function of this total galaxy bounded by the Milky Way and that furthermore this galaxy is a function of all other galaxies. And that vast thing that you see far off, far off, far off with telescopes and you look and look and look, one day you're going to wake up and say, why that's me? And in knowing that, know, you see, that you never die. That you are the eternal thing that comes and goes, that appears now as John Jones, now as Mary Smith, now as Betty Brown, so it goes forever and ever and ever. The experience you are having, which you call ordinary everyday consciousness, pretending you're not it, that experience is exactly the same thing as it. There's no difference at all. See, the source of all light is in the eye. If there were no eyes in this world, the sun would not be light. You evoke light out of the universe. In the same way, you, by virtue of having a soft skin, evoke hardness out of wood. Wood is only hard in relation to a soft skin. It's your eardrum that evokes noise out of the air. You, by being this organism, call into being the whole universe of light and color and hardness and heaviness and everything. You see? See? one of us is an aperture 
through which the whole cosmos looks out. You see, it's as if you had a light covered with a black ball. And in this ball were pinholes. And each pinhole is an aperture through which the light comes out. So in that way, every one of us is actually a pinhole through which the fundamental light, that is the existence itself, looks out. Only the game we're playing is uh, not to know this. Therefore, that what you call the external world is as much you as your own body. Your skin doesn't separate you from the world, it's a bridge through which the external world flows into you and you flow into it. What you are basically, deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. And when you find that out, you laugh yourself silly. Mm -hmm.